Also, a couple of conversations lined up that I think will interest you, especially this one, because we're getting some of the data now. I know some of you say data. I say data, whatever. Data, data, potato, patata. Um, the pandemic, as we know, was hard on all of us. I don't care who you are. Um, I think that's something we all need to remember. People sort of say, I, everybody, everybody was affected by the pandemic in one way or another. Nobody sailed through um, without some kind of disruption. Sure, some people were you know, more adversely affected. There's no question about it. I mean, people lost loved ones, right? Um, uh, but there was definitely economic hardship to varying degrees. I'm not saying everybody was, you know, derailed to an equivalent extent. It was harder on some than on others, but nobody, absolutely nobody, um, got through it untouched. Uh, and we know, and one of the things we heard throughout the pandemic and since is that it was really hard on younger Canadians. And now we're getting a look at, like I say, some of the data that backs that up and gives us some indication of just how bad things were, specifically when it comes to ER visits. That's what we're talking about. And, you know, crises. And there was a lot of them. We're going to speak now with Natasha Saunders, who's a pediatrician and clinician investigator at Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children and the senior author of one of the studies. We're going to talk about two here. Natasha, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Like I say, two studies were done here. You were involved in one of them. So tell us, what were you looking at when you sort of started to break the data down a bit. What were you looking at? What was your study? Yeah, so this was an Ontario-based study where we use a number of different data sets of uh, children and youth who were coming to the emergency room and hospitalized for visits for self-harm. Um, so this might be with um, suicidal ideation or self-harm without um, intent to die. And we looked at a two-and-a-half-year period following the onset of the pandemic, and we looked at all eMERGE visits and all hospitalizations um, in young people ages 10 to 17 years. And what we found is that compared to um, a pre-pandemic baseline, that young kids had emergency department visits that were 29% above expected and hospitalizations that were 72% above expected um, for for self-harm. And so pretty um, alarming statistics. And in particular, the visits that we saw in young people, uh, so 10 to 13-year-olds and girls, um, those were where we really saw the biggest uh, rates that were above expected. Yeah, so there is a difference, right? When you sort of break it down among demographics, I mean, like you say, overall there was an increase, but uh, when you break it down among sex and among age, you can clearly see that some groups were a little harder hit, right? For sure, yeah. I mean, this is in terms of this particular indicator. So there's no doubt both boys and girls were affected by the pandemic. But with respect to visits for self-harm um, and, and presenting in crisis and distress to the emergency room and hospital, certainly young girls were uh, really affected. How do you break down a cause, if you will? Of course, I mean, when we're talking about, you know, the, the pandemic the, and the upheaval that that brought on, that's definitely going to be a factor here. But sadly, these cases happened before the pandemic and after the pandemic. So can you really say this is all pandemic related? I mean, how do you sort of try and break down the numbers that you're looking at that way? No, you know, we can't uh, specifically identify a cause and this study wasn't set out to do that. Right. Um, before the pandemic, we certainly saw a rise in visits to hospital uh, and to outpatient uh, physician care for anxiety disorders and depression. And that was, that's been really rising over the last several years. Um, but, you know, when we model it and we, you know, we compare it to what we would expect had the pandemic never occurred, 
we we still see quite a rise. And so we do firmly believe that the pandemic had something to do with it. Now, was it school closures? Was right. it social isolation? Was it loss of extracurricular activities? It was probably a combination of all of those things. Um, you know, everybody experienced distress in so many facets of their lives and, and loss in so many facets of their lives that it is likely sort of the chronic and cumulative effects of all of these things that contributed to our findings. I was wondering, you know, just in terms of some of these kids, I imagine lost loved ones, right? If you take a look at who was who, who died throughout this pandemic, they were seniors, maybe grandparents, aunts, uncles, things like that. So, I mean, you've got that on top. And then a lot of the ways that these kids would deal with that and sort of cope with that, not available because their social circle isn't available. So you can see right there that that may make some of these situations that much more dire, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly the individual loss of, of a family member or illness of a family member may have contributed. But I think for young girls in particular, you know, the pandemic hit at a time when their social identity was developing and their socialization and and independence was all developing. And so it was really a loss of a lot of those uh, factors that may may have contributed to this um, as well. What can we do with this info? I mean, God forbid we ever find ourselves in another situation like we were with the pandemic, but just basically on what we learned in terms of how things can spin into a, a really desperate situation, what can we do with this info? How can we make things better for our kids? That's a really good question. I think um, it, it takes uh, a multi-pronged approach. I don't think any one yeah. particular area can can make can fix this issue. Um, that said, I think on the preventive front, I think you know from a school standpoint, um, ensuring kids have supports in the school setting, ensuring they have their extracurricular activities and opportunities to re-engage with their peers um, is is really important. I think. From a hospital and health system standpoint, I think we definitely need to increase our capacity to care for these individuals. I mean, we were already very stretched across the country in terms of our mental health system capacity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you throw on another, you know, large increase in number of kids who have been really affected and need the support, we, we need to adjust and we need to fund um, and resource uh, the, those supports appropriately. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And hopefully we learn from it. That's the thing, right? I mean, as bad as it was, if we can learn from it, then it's not a completely wasted, it's not all negative. There could be something good to come out of it, at least. For sure. I mean, I think um, one thing that has come out of it is is continuing to decrease the stigma associated with mental health. These kids are going and getting help. They're showing up in the eMERGE. Um, so that's a good thing, right? And yeah. so um, raising awareness of where kids can seek help is one positive, I think, out of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Doctor, thanks so much for being with us this morning. I really appreciate your time.